This is Tender Loving Cares. And this is Pete's Wolf. And you're listening to the second season of Hungry for More. The internet's favorite podcast about fetism by the community and for the community. Thank our Patreon supporters, Butterfly Blob and Anne Plumpen, for supporting this episode. And if you guys want to support this podcast as well, you can head over to patreon.com slash h4m. All right, TLC. Well, we had a quite uh, lively and uh, spirited response from our audience after our audio smut series from yeah. our previous episode. Um and we're, I think it's time we cool off just a little bit. Uh, maybe blood, blood ran a little hot. It got a little bit kinky. Um, I think it, it was a great success, and we're probably going to revisit it uh, definitely. in well, the future. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it was the start of a series, so we, we already have some stuff planned. We might or might not have anything recorded. We're not going to say for sure. <laughs> yeah, we, we do. Uh, we do. We totally do. Yeah. We had a lot of fun making them, too. Um, but this week, we're going to move over from like actual boner to kind of a nerd boner on my part, once again. No algorithms, uh, I promise. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's, um, that's in line with our, our mission, kind of as a general interest fetus podcast. Um, we're not just a smut series or an advice column or, you know, we, we also talk about... Uh, you know, the community itself kind of has meta topics and uh, issues that relate to fetism but aren't necessarily within the community. And that's kind of where this week's topic falls in because it mm-hmm. is near and dear to your nerdy little heart. Exactly. So we're back to the hosted episodes. And the topic that I kind of selected is something I've been thinking about for a while. It's all about the portrayal of fatness in video games. Oh, okay. Well, that's definitely a, a topic that has a lot of area for discussion. Um, how how did you want to approach it? I mean, there's a huge overlap within our community from gamers and and people within the fetism community because we're talking about the online community. Both is related to the internet. And what I wanted to talk about is how some of the very insidious and very ingrained fat stereotypes we have have also kind of found their way into video games, unfortunately, and how maybe that seems to be changing little by little as indie communities and like more affordable ways to actually produce video games that aren't produced by like all the AAA companies might hopefully change that. So let's just jump into this because um, if you look back at video games and video games aren't a very old media in and of itself. So we're only talking about like the last couple of decades and a little bit more. We're talking about when you can, when you were actually able to represent people. And there's been very, very little fat representation in video games in general. And when mm-hmm. there has been a lot of times, it's basically like been narrowed down to like two or three like tropes, which is either like fat characters are frequently villainous or evil. Like the like Wario, for example, in the whole Mario Brothers no, what you call it? <laughs> um, uh, series like saga, Nintendo's I don't, yeah, franchi- I don't know. Franchise, I guess. Like franchise universe. Would the, yeah. <laughs> 
then obviously fat characters are usually the punchline or the victim, which is also something we've seen a lot in movies, but is tends to be especially true in video games as well. Like whenever there's a non-evil fat character, they're always just kind of like this one-off, funny, often even stupid character that's just like meant to be there for like comedic relief. Sure, yeah. And most often not, not, like, the most common goal of a fat character, even in video games, is to not be fat anymore. Or to be ignored as a fat person, or despite being fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, It seems like the the plot lines, if they even exist for the fat person, if they're not just literally mm-hmm. a joke, yep. are either to lose weight and, you know, achieve success that way, or really to have kind of their own... Um, their own goals subsumed into that of the thin protagonist. You know, they exist to kind of be, it's always like they're a helper or, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a friendly blacksmith. There's, you know, it's not, I yeah. never or like, the you fat know, guy, I, I have else. my own. Yeah. Yeah. And even now that we've actually talked about examples, you'll notice that probably instinctively we've just jumped to, yeah, fat men, but have we ever really seen like fat women as, as important characters within a video game narrative, not just the narrative inside in, in the in the terms of being an NPC character or some other side character, but you actually getting to choose an avatar that represents a bigger body, especially as a female. I mean, and never, never. I, there, 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 I mean, there, there's almost total erasure mm-hmm. of fat women in, you know, up until up until what maybe the last three or four years with with the rise of indie gaming, um, you know. Probably mainly indie gaming distributed through like Steam and their Greenlight project. Um, we've yeah, seen, it's, we've it's seen, I mean, either it's, that. It's, they're just non non-existent. Yeah, they're re- they're really non-existent. And um, the fact is, so many video games have possibilities to actually uh, customize your characters. And even if so, like you can choose in some games, you can choose like a hundred different shirts, but like. For the life of me, you cannot choose a different body type, which I know is also video games are hard to produce and like different body types will kind of change hitboxes of your own character and like interfere with all these game mechanics that might make it more difficult. But it can't be so difficult. Like if you see the progression that gaming has made over the last years, you've just seen where all the money has gone to and like the best special effects, the most awesome explosions and stuff like that. And the fact that being able to represent different body types and have a more inclusive and diverse representation of characters in general, not just fat people, but in general within gaming, it's been more of a choice than actually being limited by by the technical aspects of it. And for example, Saints Row is one of the only games that I know where you can choose a character that is slightly bigger than average. The Sims yeah. games as well. But sure. Yeah. But you know, even even in those games, having played both of them and, you know, <laughs> and being <laughs> being who I am, always making my character fat or my characters if I'm playing the Sims fat. Mm-hmm. Um there was a degree of difficulty, even in earlier in earlier Sims games, where um, you know the the tech still didn't really work. Like you could, like the fatness of the character was kind of an afterthought. So you could adjust the sliders to like yeah. increase body size, but you know then you'd have the edges of the body clipping. You know, mm-hmm. so if their arms got bigger and their belly got bigger, now their arms like went through their belly, and it, <laughs> you know it was just. The, the fatness was always kind of like 
just this this ancillary extra thing. And as as you mentioned, um, the fatness is used incredibly loosely here because mm-hmm. you know mo- most of the max size on these characters wouldn't even cause you or me to, um, you know, to to blink. And, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I th- I think the argument that you're making that you know that there's or the argument that, that game companies have been making in the past that you know programming a video game is a very hard thing to do um, doesn't lack merit, but I think it's a it's a shrinking argument um, in mm-hmm. the, the idea that our ability to make a game that reflects fat characters you know that that or that lets players choose what their characters look like and gives a you know gives a representation that's in line with what people look like you know there yeah. are many 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 more fat people uh in the world than the media would have you believe uh mm-hmm. there are you know that's no longer really limited by the technology in as meaningful a way as it used to be and yeah. you know if we're betting if we're betting on it that trend's going to continue people are you know the 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 ability to make games is going to continue to be democratized and the ability to to you know to to do this is going to get easier. The 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 cost of entry is going to lower, and I don't think people are going to have the um really a leg to stand on in a couple of years in terms of making that that An argument, argument that yeah. you know yeah that mm-hmm. no there's technical limits to why we can't put fat people in our games because <laughs> yeah you look at something like DOA Beach Volleyball where they spend um you know infinite programming resources to make sure that the jiggle in the bikini is perfect mm-hmm. you know it may, yep. maybe it's a, maybe it's also a question of priorities it's definitely a question of priorities and i think also one of the main reasons is simply that what's the demographic that video games are normally marketed to and that might answer like 99% of the questions we have even in regards of how women are represented versus how bigger guys are represented simply because even more so than any other medium out there video games are primarily marketed to straight guys. Sure, yeah. And and I think we can look at some some trends within the industry broadly and not only in in the classic console-based or PC-based, you know, AAA gaming products um, that have been traditionally marketed towards guys, women are representing a larger and larger um, share of the player base of those mm-hmm. games. But then, I mean, if we're if we're going to talk about video games, we should talk about you know, electronic-based gaming in all forms. And if you do things like in, like include mobile um, and some other casual gaming systems, you know, you find that women actually game just as much, in some cases, more than men. Um, yeah. So despite the fact that the industry is, is still, um, you know, kind of through from top to bottom overloaded on the engineer side and the executive side uh, by men who are going to kind of naturally and and unnaturally due to patriarchy want to mm. produce content that reinforces, you know, their role as the protagonist of everything. Uh, I, I think the writing on the wall is there that, you know, this is not a boys club anymore. It definitely is not. And that's the awesome thing about the whole indie game thing that is coming into play. But um, I still kind of wanted to talk about about some good stuff that can be seen in some of those AAA companies, mm-hmm. uh, because there's there's like they're very few and far between. But there's some good stuff, and a lot of people might remember Bob from Tekken and Rufus from Street Fighter Four, who both had a lot of issues, and they're both guys. So again, it doesn't take into account the whole thing about maybe we should also prioritize fat 
female bodies as being as being something that players might want to see or might want to inhabit when they play. But uh, Bob and Rufus have, were both very viable characters. They were used in competitive play. They've, they had a lot of strength. They are both very positive about their size, but they still had issues like um, fight moves being named after food or being displayed as overly... Sure. The thing that annoys me most, that even if you have a fat character in a video game, that's actually happy to be fat at the same time they're being portrayed as oh but you gotta be delusional for doing so so we'll make him also kind of part of the joke within like other other plays in the context you know or you know i can guarantee having not played a lot of tekken but i can guarantee and tell me if i'm wrong and if i am this will be hilarious for the podcast that bob and rufus um their style is a really heavy heavy hitting slow moving you know grappling and brawling and bruising no no actually not no they're both really fast like high kicks they're we're one of the faster players so that's that's the good thing about them that's a really good thing about them we'll get we'll get the we'll get this in post (laughs) we'll get this in post no no but, no, but no, but you know you, that certainly, and that might be a that might be a, a nod to the changing industry. Um, but it used to be, you know, if if there was a fat guy, you knew that they were the the brawler or the tank, you know, and it, it wasn't in a game with dragons or or lasers or everyone can fly mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, the idea that a fat person could move fast enough to be, you know, an agile character is, it, you know, I forget the um, oh, good. The, the name of the actor escapes me at the moment, but he plays Sam Tarley on Game of Thrones. And he, 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 uh, John, oh, it's getting away from me. Um, but he said, you know, he got fan mail that said, uh, I don't believe that Sam would still be fat. You know, he's been up at the wall for years. Why is he still fat? And he's like, <laughs> uh, there are, there are dragons and <laughs> undead. And you can't believe that a guy is still fat. Like, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, yeah. it's, that's that's another thing I wanted to talk about because one of my next examples is going to be Overwatch because you have Roadhog, uh, you have Saria, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing some of the names, but I've just realized when doing like the notes and the research on this whole episode that I've been playing a lot of these games in their German subs and might not always have the like proper English pronunciation of those names. But um, they're both awesome examples. Like Sarah, she's a Russian like ex-bodybuilder who, who became like, she became a soldier basically to um, help within a rebellion to protect like her loved ones, basically. And Roadhog uh, was more kind of the criminal, but they're both this huge burly characters. And that's like the one thing where I got to say that this whole trope of, the big guys being like more the tanks has some kind of, I'm not going to say merit, but there's a game mechanic logic behind it that I, I do think you could overthink that, but I also see that because it's been established a long time ago, that it, it would be hard to kind of overtake that. And it's simply that you also have to consider hitboxes. So what they do is basically the tank is going to be the one who takes the most damage. So he can have the biggest hitbox, which also by extent means that, will make him a generally bigger character and we can make giants or have very muscular guys. And you see all those things as tanks as well, not just fat characters as tanks, but because they need to fill up that bigger hitbox, they're going to do that while other players like the healer, that's only going to be one healer in every group. And he's going to be more like on the back, but he's also going to have like a a smaller hitbox to be harder to hit and at the same time less health points so there is some kind of game mechanic and relation between how much life points they have as relating to the hitbox and and artists going with okay if 
the hitbox is this big, how we're going to fill up all that space so that people don't just like shoot into the air and hit the character. And this this might be one of our, our classic examples of how two people in the fetus community can have different opinions and not hate each other. <laughs> um, no, no, you know, I mean, respectfully, I'm not sure that that convinces me. Like, I understand the game mechanic. I get it. Yeah. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you, want a, you want a tank to take damage. Um, you want it to be a bigger target. You want it to conceal other characters and have a big hitbox that can absorb exactly. a lot of damage. Um, mm-hmm. I get, like, I get, you know, I know how important hitboxes are ever since um, playing Goldeneye for N64 when none of my friends were allowed to play with Odd Job because he was really short and you could just avoid every, it was almost considered cheating. Mm-hmm. So I understand how in a game that's, you know, a game that's really finely tuned, like Overwatch, where they're constantly balancing and rebalancing the game. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the things that's going to factor into their decision calculus. Mm-hmm. With the exce- understanding that Zarya, Zarya isn't really fat. She's, she's muscular and Definitely, big. She's, yeah, but she's, yeah. An, she's, a, she's a non-conventional female character, which is like the closest yeah, we're going to get at this point, unfortunately. And, 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 you know, and she, I mean, she's more defined, but she looks like a power lifter. You know, she's yeah. not, she's not a, a, just a, a, a classic like figure model type of, mm-hmm. of muscular. She looks like she has real strength. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean... Roadhog is a little bit more kind of cartoony as a, yeah. I mean, a literal pig stomach tattoo. Yep. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what we want to do with that. Um, I'm totally on board when it comes to that. Totally on board. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of unsurprising that, you know, there, I guess there are reasons for both of them to be tanks, but you know, if you're talking about a support character like a mercy um, or like, I guess an Anna, um, why are those characters so universally thin? Yeah. You know, like, could there be, you know, someone who, who, you know, isn't really in the fight or participant, maybe you want a tiny little, little character with a tiny little hitbox so you can use cover more effectively or, you know, strafe back and forth, but maybe you can come, I mean, maybe Blizzard can balance that by making a slightly fatter character, um, you know, with a slightly bigger hitbox move a little bit faster or mm-hmm. have, you know, or or be a, a a some sort of hybrid, you know, tank assault. I don't know. You know, there's. I'm just. I'm not sold on the idea that. Well, if you follow game design and you need, you need offense, defense, tanks, and support. Um, naturally, kind of with with what we expect. Yeah. Those classes to be a a size is going to emerge because of course you have tanks like diva who's a, mm-hmm. a tiny little korean girl but she's in a big mech so exactly yeah but yeah. it's and and they've done other similar stuff with um if, if you see in the world of warcraft thing with like huge armors and stuff like that like there's other ways to fill out that hitbox it's a little bit harder the other way around but i definitely agree with you it's 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 a question of being maybe more creative and not taking like the easiest route of making this cartoonish like roadhog like fat guys even though it's awesome to have some kind of representation and i think i think it's like overwatch is an incredibly recent game and it's already awesome in overwatch to see a huge amount of diversity maybe not the biggest diversity when it comes to um to size but we've also seen a huge diversity in backgrounds in cultures in um in in ethnicity and all this kind of stuff and and i'm hoping that a lot of other games will catch up on that and do their own spin on it and start becoming more creative all all of this very very consciously too i mean blizzard has made no bones about and you know to the point where they are intentionally injecting diversity um you know saying that uh you know doing doing background fluff where 
or Tracer's a lesbian yeah. or, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're working to put that stuff in there because they understand that representation is important, both exactly. from a, yeah. both from a representation standpoint, just the, the, the inherent value in showing a game, which reflects, but then it's also important for their bottom line. And, you know, it's so, so it's one of those things where for the longest time, it seems like any, any criticism you could levy against the movie industry or the TV industry, you could, you could levy it even more firmly against the video game industry. They, they were less sensitive and traded more on stereotypes, um, probably involving gender and race and culture and, and also fat, um, than their other media counterparts. And now I think the opposite has happened. I think yeah. with this with this golden age, let's call it, of indie gaming, mm. you had really the field open up widely in a way that we haven't necessarily seen similarly in indie filmmaking. I mean, indie filmmaking continues to become more accessible and more people tend to get into it. But it's probably and, – and this is wildly speculative, so feel free to fact check me. But it's probably easier to get a um, – you know, a, a, a small one person indie game out mm-hmm. to the public in general than it is to, you know, to, yeah. to make a, make a movie, make an indie film. And get it um, in into cinema. That's virtually yeah, impossible. So, yeah. Even, even like an online distribution deal or something like that, yeah. you know, it just, it's, someone's got to hold the camera and someone's got to be in front of it. It's, it's not something <laughs> that one person can do on their own. And we have, mm-hmm. I mean, we have examples of so many, um, so many, you know, games that were made by one or two people who were just mm. just these deeply Start your personal... belly. Just look at yeah, Start Your sure. Belly. The whole RPG yeah. thing and made by one person. The music, the artwork, the storyline, the distribution, everything. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there's mm-hmm. these deeply personal games that tell these deeply personal stories. Yeah. And when you do that, because, you know, because people are diverse, um, their stories become diverse. Yeah. Um, and so And so... I think I think Blizzard made a very savvy business move as well mm-hmm. in seeing the fact that people were, you know, eating up these games, buying them hand over fist off off digital distribution platforms like Steam. Um and then instead of, you know, instead of trading in two very valuable IPs that they had, um Warcraft and Starcraft and mm-hmm. making, you know, the Warcraft shooter or the Starcraft shooter, they they decided to start fresh because, yeah. you know, within within the realm of medieval fantasy that that or or high tech fan or, you know, space opera fantasy that Warcraft and Starcraft are set. Mm-hmm. Um, there's tons of problems. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. There's just it's it's you know, it's rife with with the domination of the narrative of that which has already come before. And that's, you know, that's kind of part of the appeal in some cases that it's this more simplistic, more black and white, moralistic thing. Yeah. But you look at some of the representational issues that you have in those things. Um, and you, you know, also those... look at all the new gamers and the new generations coming up that aren't, that haven't been immersed in like three decades of that kind of lore. And they just want to get into something fun mm-hmm. and casual. And that's what Overwatch so gives now, them. Yeah. And and you see it as an overwhelming success as well. So mm-hmm. I I, th- I think that point's very well taken, and I think it's really a um, you know a hugely uh, telling move about what we're going to see from AAA developers like Blizzard in the future. I mean, maybe not everyone, and I you know I guarantee there's <laughs> going to be more games made where there's some yoked white guy who's trying to save uh, uh, some 
white woman who's got boobs the size of her head and yeah. is in peril. But hopefully, it seems like video games are starting to move that way. Um, yes. We, we, we don't yet have, and I'm not sure where, if you want to touch on this or not, we don't yet really have many games, and certainly not many AAA games um, from AAA developers, that affirm the stories of fat people all the way to making them a protagonist of games. But it seems like that's on the horizon. Yeah, we'll see. I, th- I think I think one solution is that is what Saints Row has been introducing, which means a more diverse way of character customization. That, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is probably going to be like the first thing that they're going to do. And like, if you look at Overwatch, it's a similar thing. Like, you get to choose your own character. Just instead of customizing the same character, you get a whole array of characters, and you choose one. So you're already kind of limited, but you get all these kinds of different things, and that's going to be the like the number one thing. But I'm even more interested in more of the narrative aspect of games, which is where indie games come into. Because instead of with many, many AAA games, where you start with the game, what the developers start with the game mechanics and kind of build in the story later on that fits the that fits the mechanics and and maybe they're gonna like readjust some little things about the mechanics, but still the the, the mechanics and the the fun of it comes first, and then the narrative and the story and the value behind it to some extent comes second. Indie games has kind of turned this around and they've made uh, incredibly moving pieces like um, uh, that Dragon Cancer has been an example of this where we see that games aren't anymore just about we have this goal and we got to save this or or like find this solution or something like that but that the game is in some ways and just an interactive way of telling a story to some extent as well and that's hopefully where a lot of um, those issues will come into and we were hopefully going to see like even more ways to tackle to tackle like the experience of fat people in society in a way that is more meaningful than 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 video games have have kind of made it out to be yeah yeah no i think that's i mean that's really the area where you can see the the democratization of games kind of shining i thought you know i thought going into this when i first started looking at it i was going to be just like completely bummed out about all right here's some more this is like mr mr tubbo and he lives in you know um fudge land and you have to bring him all the candy so that he like i thought Mm -hmm. that that's where we were um and again make no mistake there are still games like that. Yeah, um, there will still be are. games like that made. But then but, there's also Ellie yeah. in Borderland 2, who's incredibly smart and self-sufficient, and she's flirty and sexual, and she has no issue with her body type. And you have, like, Tierno in Pokemon X, who's, who's like this big dude who wants to make, like, this Pokemon dance thing because he's an awesome dancer. And, like, and his friends are so supportive, and it's, like, his body is... He's not even it's not even brought up so like it is possible to make those stories and i think people will notice and again the overwatch thing like the game companies should notice that if they put this diversity out there people will welcome it and they will feel themselves represented in those games and and like all of those characters that we've just mentioned are like huge fan favorites within the within the game universes so like hopefully they can take a hint and try to try to do that and i've seen a lot of companies kind of include even in the hiring processes um that they are actively looking for more diversity and that is something that i'm like i think those companies who are actually going for that are gonna like reap the benefits and hopefully will 
get to see some of the products that they come up with, whether that's indie or triple A. Yeah, I, I mean, I, li I live in San Jose, California, the heart of Silicon Valley, where, you know, I have game developers down the street and hardware manufacturers and tech companies. And, you know, the nickname of the city is still very much Man Jose because mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's just filled with filled with dudes. You go out and there's just dudes everywhere. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think I think the writing's on the wall for the for game developers to realize that they had hit, you know, young white dude saturation yeah. um, in terms of we've got every single young white dude out there who's going to play video games playing our video games yeah. and do we want to cut each other's throats to try and peel a couple percent of the market of young white dudes off you know and onto our game mm -hmm. or do we want to start creating games that appeal to the you know the vast majority of um humans of, of people yeah <laughs> so you know the the traditional perceived and whether or not it's it's an accurate perception is changing as we've acknowledged, but the perceived gaming audience um, has been and continues to be, um, you know, young men, mm -hmm. you know, eight, eighteen to thirty five year old men, or probably um, even younger. You know, if, I guess that's for adult gamers, but but even teen, you know, younger teenagers as well. Um, that's that's been the. Uh, the gaming audience for whom these uh, these characters and these storylines have been crafted for the better part of you know 40 years I guess you could say we're coming mm -hmm. up on 40 years of some sort of home game industry since you know Atari 2600 or ColecoVision mm -hmm. or whatever you want to yeah. peg it peg it to um, but what but you know what's the stereotype that we have you know these games that trade in stereotype but what's the stereotype we have about gamers themselves i, I felt it was kind of like one of those it, it was a pushback from a person who was physically fit mm. and liked gaming you know saying we're not all nerds stop calling us all fat nerds in our mom's basement yeah um and so it, it's interesting because there's there's kind of a there's kind of a, a backhanded coda to the gaming community that you know, continues that that shows how fat phobia functions in society. Mm -hmm. That continues to produce, you know, heroes like Doom Guy or Duke Nukem or you know these these classic action movie ripped as hell, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. alpha male dudes. But then also also presumes or makes the the uh, or assumes, I guess, that the consumer of this narrative is going to be some nerd with an escape fantasy from their their shitty little life um you well know, so yeah there's... because also south park and stuff <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No, i mean the south park guy is the second the second thing but you know no yeah. there's there's just a ton of this this kind of behind the scenes boiling of you know are we creating stories that resonate with people's real lives mm -hmm. or are we creating escape fantasies for people who hate themselves because they are not you know no. they are not characters that they want to see so i think that that's to me that's probably the um the, the, the next tipping point i yeah. think um i i read that there was also an, an interesting blog on i think it was shakesville um there's a a woman on there who makes uh i think if, Oh gosh, what's it called? Fetstronauts or something like that. It's like like kind of the the one on on like 
pet phobia within the society. And, and she's done a lot of stuff also on like the whole medical aspect and like fat phobia in the medical profession. But she's also done some stuff on um, fat representation. And she made one article that was like targeted at debunking that myth that fat people don't want fat characters in their video games because why would like in, in the sense of and she made the point that maybe if you are someone who's totally not okay with their body and you want to lose weight and you want all this stuff you don't want to defined by that same body type in the video game where you have so many other choices for your body mm -hmm. type you know and mm -hmm. i agree but then at the same time i think that's probably the minority i don't know i i think i think it reinforces the whole thing in the sense of there is no representation so people feel shitty about themselves and so therefore they seek out less even less representation because they don't want to be reminded of it and then there's less representation and they feel even shittier about themselves so that kind of is also some vicious cycle and and i do yeah, think that representation yeah. in general is something when it's out there and maybe people don't even know that they want it they'll they'll start realizing those are just normal people as well and and it'll it'll start undoing that cycle hopefully yeah yeah no I, I think i agree with that that wholly i think there's the 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 switch is going to come and maybe not a complete switch but at least the creation of extra space mm -hmm. for video games which have always kind of traded on that logic that underlying logic that our our product is an escapist aspirational fantasy for the end user this is a a way to put yourself in a fantasy world um and get away from your boring day-to-day -to, -day to you know to something more in line with what we see um you know in other media where people also like stories that resonate and reflect and comment yeah. and interact with their experiences as they already exist mm -hmm. um, where it doesn't need to just be something that's so far out and so you know just id id stroking you yeah. know wish fulfillment bullshit again um, um this yeah. uh this dragon cancer is a perfect example for it i don't know if you've have, have you ever heard of the game no no i haven't okay it's uh basically a, a guy made this video game about the loss of his son who died of cancer very early on i think the kid was like three or four years old or even younger and he made this whole video game that was very minimalist when it comes to the graphics because it was mainly oh, okay. done by himself. Yeah. But no, it, I think it, I have heard of it. Yeah, it it was this beautiful story where, where he also being a gamer, just kind of tried to come to the realization of how he calls it that dragon cancer. It's like he had this one thing in his life that he couldn't just beat by with a high score like a lot of other stuff he had done, and 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 he made this incredibly powerful and moving game. For example, there's there's this one where you just kind of you gotta soothe the baby who had chemotherapy and is therefore like very hard to calm down, and you you're gonna go nuts during that scene because it's so hard to do. And as soon as you try to put him down again, it starts crying again. And it's it's it is game mechanics, you know. But at the same yeah. time, it's telling the story that he had to deal with, and and also has been very like if you see if you read the reviews you see so many people resonated that it helped a lot of people like come to terms with what they had been struggling with no matter how closely related it was or wasn't and i think that's also where where people realized because it got a lot of attention at game that games can have a lot of other purposes other than just this wish fulfillment or escapism to it yeah yeah and i i, I think I don't think the aspirational video game or the or the escapist video game is is ever going to go away. And no. maybe maybe nor should it. it. it maybe nor yeah. should it. Yeah. 
There's um, space for it. But but yeah, I think I think the space is really opening up, and I think that's probably where we're going to see, um, you know, see more representation of fat people in video games and more representation of fat characters and better. Because in order for an aspirational game, you know, it, it's a tall order to ask an aspirational escapist video game to say something <laughs> good about fat people. Because we again, we still live in a in a world where fat phobia is a daily scourge. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's it it's hard to hard to ask that of them, but we should we should continue asking. We should continue um, you know to try and seek this stuff out. I mean, I'd I'd be interested because I've I've got I've been kind of keeping a little bit of a list of things I've got to go look at, starting with Tekken. Um, <laughs> you know, is certain games, and I'd be interested. I'm I'm sure we have a uh, community with some uh, who who the, the the five people who listen to us, maybe three of them are gamers. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I'm the, already one of them, so yeah, I know. Okay, good, good. Yeah, and I've listened and played a little bit, yeah. but no, so just one more. But yeah, no, I, I'd be interested to hear from the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you've, you know, if you out there in podcast land um, have seen, you know, particularly compelling or positive or even negative um, examples of fat representation in media, um, specifically video game media, um, leave us a comment. Let us know. Send us. Get get in touch with us. Should we go over how they can get in touch with us? Definitely, they can message me on Phoebe. I'm tender, loving cares. Uh, I'm hungry on grammar and chaseable. If you want to like leave some feedback on there, I have my Tumblr, which is tenderlovingcares.tumblr.com. Uh, I'm also tender, loving cares on Fembrosia, and um, we have the website, which is hungrymagazine.com, where we have like all the magazines and the podcast episodes uploaded. So it's very easy. Just message me wherever you can find me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you can find me on Phoebe, and really, that's the only one I check often enough. So you can find me as Pizza Wolf on Phoebe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm also Pizza Wolf on Steam, where there was a oh, an effort early on for us to have a, a Phoebe, Phoebe Steam, Steam group. group. Yes, I, I don't. I don't know if that's still going. I don't think we ever really got off the ground with it. But maybe, maybe now is the time where we bring it back or we try. To True. Who knows? I'm. I'm also. I'm tender loving cares on Steam. So like, send me a invite i don't like whatever uh, i'll accept it yeah we'll, i think so we'll, we'll <laughs> famous last words <laughs> right. we'll we'll sort something out uh mm-hmm. if if i ever do game with any of you i'm horrible and i will probably cost our team victory but you know but you can say <laughs> you played with pizza wolf um <laughs> that, that's it so kind yep. of a, a, ret- a return to form for us um we're gonna you know continue to cover all sorts of topics with our upcoming podcasts mm-hmm. um but until next week see you around bye i'm so hungry yeah yeah i'm hungry i'm so hungry yeah i'm hungry uh king hippo and so donkey kong hungry. whose pants fall down when you hit him in the belly yeah. Yeah. Um, or um the boomers in left for dead 2 which are basically just like this exploding vomiting fat people anyway it wasn't Don. It was King Hippo in in uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I, I just okay. I wanted to call. I wanted to call him Donkey Kong. But you know. <laughs>